some kind of disturbance. I'm gonna go check it out. We request that everybody stays calm at the current moment. Who are you people? I want a coffee! You, 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 you are now to 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 Where love and life come together. Come together. From the Spacebird Media Studios, it's Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Hey, it's Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Glad to be back, and hopefully you're having an amazing summer. Thanks to My Brother's Cup and Birmingham Mortgage Group for making it happen. And, of course, a Barbie girl in a Barbie world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I did some snooping, and I saw that you were at Barbie as well. The biggest weekend at the box office since the pandemic we're talking 162 million for Barbie, 82 million for Oppenheimer, yep. bigger than anyone expected. But I will say, Mattel's marketing for this movie was so extraordinary. It really doesn't surprise me that a lot of people came out. I mean, if you didn't know Barbie was out last yeah. weekend, <laughs> well, and a lot of theaters nationwide were doing like a BOGO. Like if you bought tickets for one, you could get tickets for another. And you'd have to see them in the same day. You had like probably a week or so within that. Uh, I had still not seen Oppenheimer. I still need to go see that. But Barbie was one of those that I went just as like a fun family thing, not realizing how deep it was really going to be. And And not to give any spoilers if you haven't seen it, but there is a message that I feel like women finally can go that that's exactly what we've been trying to say, you know, and for it to be done through a simple movie about a doll is such a poetic Hollywood kind of thing to do. Like, I I think if you had released it in that, if that script had been about anything else, but Barbie, I don't know that it would have probably been made, but the fact that you could hide your message a little bit in, and of course, you know, people are in an uproar and, you know, there's, Republicans mad and Democrats mad and Hollywood's mad. Like just it's, it's now out there. And I will say as a dad and a husband, as a dad of daughters and as a husband sitting with them and watching, I told my wife after we got home, I said, I want you to know something. I said, I see and hear you in that monologue from America. If, and, and once you see it, and if you've watched her Ted talk, which we posted on our Facebook page, you will see that there is a underlining understanding of that women need to be seen and heard. We talked about being seen and heard last week, but I said, I see you. I said, I, I, as that speech is going on, I knew with you sitting beside me, I, I, I reached over and grabbed the tissue and handed it to her because I knew that it was hitting her in all of the places. But you tell me if I'm wrong. I believe that that is the voice of every woman regardless of whether you played with Barbies or not, it, it is exactly what you've been trying to get men to understand. Well, some people say the movie's woke and the movie is hatred, hatred toward men. But I think when we go into a boardroom and it's a bunch of white guys and maybe one or two black guys and there's no women there, it, it just shows what is still happening in America. Our lack of presence as a CEO on a board we say we've broken ceilings, but we've still got a long way to go. And as someone who early in my career was sexually harassed, as somebody who has consistently made less than some of the less talented men I work with, 
in my opinion, mm -hmm. to make far, far less, and then you don't really know why, you can only come to whatever conclusion. I think the film is a feminist film, and I think it's really stark and in your face, and it's meant to be, yep. but it did not offend me. It may offend someone else, and I don't like comedy movies typically, but I laughed so hard in parts of this right? and really enjoyed it. So if you go in with a mindset that you're going to be mad because men are great, I love men. I right. really do. But it does touch on issues for women that are pretty tough. And I'm glad they did it because you look at Barbie and she's just the ideal that we're supposed to live up to. And we know we really yeah. can't. And there's all that. And they addressed it. I, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, and I will say this, and, and I'm I'm saying this as a man, if you are offended by what's said in this movie and you feel like that it puts men down, two things. One side of the coin is women have been put down for far too long in Hollywood, in music videos, and whatever whatever platform it is, it's always been, you know, the woman is the sex object or she's there to serve the man. So this is the movie to finally flip that. But then you flip that coin over and also be grown in your own skin. Like, don't be offended by some movie about a doll. And then you feel, well, they're just, you know, trying to emasculate us. No, be confident in who you are as Ken, right? You're, you're right. enough, right? <laughs> and, and know that I don't need a woman to identify me. And I am, I, I do bring a lot to the table for whoever is in my circle or in my marriage or in my family. To be offended by something so trivial, to me, it's so toddler-like. And, and I'm just calling it real because I would be mad at myself if I was offended by this movie. And if you are offended, I'm not here to rile you up. Take it to God because it's a matter of letting him be your identity so that he can tell you how Barbie you are and how Ken you are, which I love that like the thing right now is like you walk into room, hi, Ken, and the other guys go, hi, Ken, and the girls are, hi, Barbie. <laughs> Like, you know, we do that around the house right now. It's kind of fun. So, you know, it, 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 it's one of those where I hope that it allows us to open our hearts and our eyes. And then as we navigate through our faith that we go, OK, God, show me who I am through you. Well, speaking of offenses, a lot of people were highly alarmed, very hurt, extremely upset at Carly Russell, finally admitting that, yes, her kidnapping, and it was all over, breaking news all around the world, yeah. that the 25-year-old nursing student from central Alabama faked her own kidnapping. And it was allegedly to get the attention of the man that, well, she was losing. Yeah. And it's really sad. We still have a lot of mystery as to where she was. I'm sure we'll find out more later. If she had an accomplice that was there in the woods to take her away, did her family know? I mean, on and on and on. And and I think if this was all fabricated to get back at a man or to get a man's attention, it's truly sad. But well, I do think she needs there a price needs to be paid of some sort. It can't sure. be, well, don't do that again. And, oh, I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. And my first thought, too, and I don't know if this is the dad had in me or what, but it's like, OK, let's not give her any more attention than she's already received, because, again, she could continue to milk it. And then it just only even on, it, even if it didn't accomplish what she wanted with the boyfriend or the ex or whatever, it's still giving her attention, which I'm, I'm 
I'm not that dad, right? I just, you know, when, when you're done pitching your fit, you let me know and we will have a conversation and then there may be repercussions. So you're right. I think there will be something. And then uh, being that it's like a first offense, it might not be as severe, which is fine. I mean, you, you hope that we, I hope that we learn lessons on the elementary level so that if we kept making the same mistakes, that's when the punishment becomes more intense. And so you want to be able to remove yourself and say, okay, this is someone who's clearly crying out for help. What does our faith say about overcoming rejection? What are the signs of it? Not being invited, not being noticed, not being heard, being turned away from, being completely ignored. It's happened to all of us. How do we deal with that biblically? And rejection and betrayal are very closely related. Betrayal is broken trust. Rejection is being dismissed or devalued. You know, the Apostle Paul, you want to talk about dismissed, devalued, harmed, rejected Jesus, rejected, mm -hmm. David, rejected. I mean, look what he went through with, with Saul, looking for him. And he's in a cave, and he's, try, he's trying not to kill the guy. I mean, it's right. just, so rejection runs deep. How do we deal with it? in this world at this time. Well, and I think ultimately you, you look at, you know, the fact that Christ himself understands the rejection that you face. So then once you have been rejected, you put yourself into a place where I'm not going to open myself up to anyone so that they can't reject me. But then you miss out on the opportunity of community, of intimacy, of vulnerabilities with people that God is placing in your circle and then the wisdom to see the people who have rejected or may potentially hurt you. So again, boundaries is a big deal. You and I know that firsthand in our own lives, but then even in pressing forward with our, in our marriages, you know, we were in that place where like, okay, I'm, I'm good with where I'm at, but then God provided someone to love us the way that we always knew that we believed was possible. And then when it's right in front of you, like, is this really happening? You know? And so whether it's a relationship or it's friendships or it's a church community, you can't let the hurt of someone else cause you not to be able to heal from that period, whether you ever had another friend or not, but then to allow God to show you the circle that you need around you so that you see your value in that circle. So it's not a you looking at yourself, rejecting yourself, you see who God has placed around you and go, well, these are great people, so I must be a great person, <laughs> you know? You get your identity through Christ. There's a book called Soul Cure. I highly recommend it. And it talks about the royal mentality that you are adopted into his family, that you are a priest or priestess in his family, that you are made in his image. He values you so much that he sent his son to die for you. And it really clicked with me. Sometimes we seek our identity in things or in people, and we could, we could love our spouse, but our identity is in him. Christ lives in us. He chose us. He died for us. Yeah. And that gives us great value. And a lot of times we get caught up in what you do. Who are you? Well, I'm, and we give our, our job as who we are. Well, that isn't, it's a facet of our life, but it is not who we are at the core. We are kingdom bought. Yep. We belong to him. 
and we are cherished by him. And when you realize who you are in him, it changes your whole life. You're not chasing after some of the things you used to chase after to fill that longing. Yeah. Well, and also I believe just from my own experience, but I think when we look at the things that we want chased after that we knew were either not of God, or even if we tried to make it look like God opportunities, but they weren't, God quickly removed them or proved and showed to us that it was fleeting or it was crumbly because it wasn't what he wanted. But then once he gives you what he's been preparing, it allows for you to go, oh, so that's what it looks like (laughs) when his hand is involved. (laughs) And then remembering that snapshot so that we can see it repeated again and again in our lives. Makes perfect sense. Another thing that makes sense is when you are looking at buying a home, you only turn to Birmingham Mortgage Group with our friend, Turan Newell. He helped you. He helped me. He saved us. To be able to get us in this house was a mini miracle. The thing is, he loves, loves, loves the Lord, cares about people. Turan is brilliant. He's got programs that are going to help you get into the house of your dreams. Yeah, and I love the fact that whether you found the house already and you're hoping you get enough or you haven't started the process because you're afraid of what you can or cannot afford, let him just remove that fear for you and find programs that are specific to your financial needs. It meets your family, and then you get the house that you're like, oh, I actually could get more house than I thought. So he will take care of you in all of those facets. So call him today. Uh, You can do that at 205-259-1656. That's 205-259-1656, or go to behammortgage.com. So there are super gross things sometimes that moms and dads, especially of younger children, have to do. And I read this, I was like, oh, it's so true. Things that you never thought you would do, like wipe snot with your bare hands. I mean, sometimes it's like strings. You're like, whoa, and you don't think about it. But but there it is. Uh, You smell things you never thought, like the smell test on a diaper. That is so nasty. I mean, it's just awful. (laughs) And I have a wife who has a great sniffer and she can smell things from three rooms away. Like she'll be like, Ryan, did you shower today? And he'll go, "Uh, I think so. And like, he'll have to check to see if his hair's wet, you know, or whatever. But she's like, all right, well then if you're clean, then it's the blanket. Go put that in the laundromat. Like she knows, man. And I'm like, like what? I I don't smell it. Like did COVID (laughs) kill that for me? Like, is it gone forever? And I'm like, oh no, I can smell the fabric softener. So I'm safe. (laughs) Allowing your kids to throw up on you. Now, I don't know if this has ever happened, but Hannah was so sick. And I was just going to hold her and we knew another round was coming. So I run with her into the bathtub to at least catch some of the projectile stuff, but you, it's your baby. And so someone throws up on you, you just, you roll with it. Uh, you know, cleaning their face with spit. This is a memory of my my mom's passed away. She would wipe my face. And as a kid, it was appalling to me then. I don't think I ever wiped Hannah's face with my spit. Like my mom would dabble yeah. in like a napkin and go. My mom would do that. <clears throat> and then, oh, and I couldn't stand it then and I can't stand it now. And I hope I never did that to Hannah. Did you wipe away things with spit? That's not a dad thing to do. So <laughs> no. Um <laughs> And, and what's crazy now is I believe like if I had little, little ones post 
pandemic, I think I would be so like hand sanitizer wipe. Like I would have like a Batman utility belt where I was just, <laughs> you know, super. That's my superhero power. You need a wipe. There you go. You know, catch it. All right. We go from that to the troubles that we experience in this world. And we've got to lean into God's sovereignty when that happens. You get laid off. You've got a wayward child. There is a cancer diagnosis. You know, a, a child you love gets arrested. Life can be really, really hard. But what we need to remember, he is a sovereign God. He is the God of his promises. In this world, we will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So we know we're going to have trouble in this world, but we can cling to the fact that Jesus told us he's overcome it. And in the storms, we get stronger. Well, and I've heard pastors say and others say, you know, when I'm struggling, I'm closest to God. Well, I mean, that's on purpose. That's there's a reason for that. But then also a piece as you go through the struggles, because what I always love is when people go, man, I would have never known you were going through that because you just looked so at peace. And I'm like, well, if God's not rocked by what's happening in my life, whether it's me specifically or my kids or work or whatever, then why should I be bothered? He has a solution. So I'm just I just want to stay out of his way. And I think that's the place when you really understand that sovereign God that loves us unconditionally he wants you to just chill, just be in that place where it's like, God, I don't know how this is going to answer itself. And there are things, especially even this summer that I'm like, uh, you know, and it's like now, but then I look either three weeks forward or even three weeks beyond when that actually came to the surface. And I go, okay, I see why that happened. And he took care of it. And it's like, whatever. Even if I thought, well, I was, trying to get ahead. Well, sometimes it's okay to stay in place as long as you're trusting him. Like, you know, a stationary bike is still a workout. You, you may <laughs> be in the same room, but you're still getting something out of it. That's a really good point. Really good point. How long does it take for most people to decide on a second date? This kind of blows my mind. It takes 20 minutes. And they know if they want to be with the person again. For you, it's shorter a bit. Not shorter, but usually okay. within 20, you're like, okay, this is this is going well. <laughs> or uh, I, don't, I don't know about that, you know. And I, and I and I think that also comes from a place of being comfortable with who you are, so you know what you're looking for, rather than just, well, I guess this is as good as it gets, you know. <laughs> really? What, what, what's the Ted Lasso line? Don't settle for fine. Like you should oh, good. feel like you've been struck by lightning. That's what you're going for. So you should know within 20 minutes if you've been struck by lightning. The big no-nos in that conversation on the first date that make people not want the next one, the exes. I do think it's very early to be talking about that. You do yeah. need to get to that. Yeah. And religion. And it's so funny because... When Wayne discussed with me going to seminary and, and the thoughts he had on that and what, what trying to preach, he realized he wasn't a preacher pretty quickly. I was like, oh, this guy, he's awesome. Yeah. I love being able to talk about faith on our first date. So yeah. I think it just varies. Yeah. What do you well, think? No, I, I think that's true. But and, and again, if you're dating someone because you know you're of like faith, then the religion part of it shouldn't be a hard conversation 
you just let that kind of interwove into the fabric of what other things you're talking about because it will surface because it's so much a part of your DNA that it just comes out naturally. But if it's a if it's a political religion kind of conversation, then yeah, I can see where it's like, eh, all right, you know, <laughs> I don't want to talk about that, you know, not yet anyway. And just allow yourself to talk about the successes of your life and let them share about them. Because I'm of the mindset, and this is the way I was with Tawny when we started dating. I just wanted to listen to her because, like, I knew all my stories. And then after a <laughs> while, she was like, okay, now you go. And I'm like, uh, but I like listening to your stories, man. Or, you know. Yeah. And so that's, to me, that's the thing is be the listener and then learn as much. And if within 20 minutes you realize it's not second, then be responsible and say, Hey, this was great. You know, uh, and, but don't make promises of I'll call you or, you know, let's do this again. When you know, in your heart that you're not feeling it. Well, a lot of people don't feel the following. This is really kills the vibe. Let's go through it just briefly. The overuse of social media. So I'd be in a lot of trouble because, well, I use a lot of social media. Poor hygiene. Now, you're, I'm going to arrive bathed with my teeth sure. brushed. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, a lack of a sense of humor. I could see where that would be a problem. Clinginess. Oh, that's huge. I'd be out. But one of these 40% of those surveyed, this is 2,000 singles, say a big turnoff, and I'm shocked by this, is when you're too obsessed with your pet. Mm. See, that's where, again, go back to the religion thing. If you're dating someone because you're like faith or you're dating someone because you know, oh, well, they're a dog person or they're a cat person, then you kind of know and it just comes out naturally. I, Charlie, our cat, was my out with Tawny. Like I was like, ah, she has a cat. If this doesn't work, I'm going to use Charlie as my out. So, you know, but then, you know, I was in and then it didn't matter at that point. And Charlie still annoys me, but it's <laughs> not a reason to leave. <laughs> well, every photograph of you and Charlie just cracks me up because I know Charlie gets on your nerves, but Charlie loves you. What is that all know. about? Because I feed him. <laughs> Can you feed him? I'm the first face he sees in the morning. And so he's like, there he is, Mr. Fedora. Give me my food. So In the morning when you're sipping your Roxanne blend of coffee, a blend of pecan and butterscotch that I got to personally choose, it's delicious. Mm. And it's the best gift because there's always somebody who, oh, they have everything. What can I give them that honors Jesus? Well, this sends missionaries around the world. So problem solved. Yeah. And it's great too, because whether you're looking for the perfect gift or you yourself are kind of a coffee connoisseur and you feel like, you know, all the times through drive through is just a little bit too much on your budget. This is a great way to pamper yourself with a great cup. And it also helps missionaries and makes a big difference in the life of God's kingdom. So check it out, mybrotherscup.com, or just go to roxannandace.com and get yours today. Hey, it's Roxanne and Ace Unlimited, where we get a chance to kind of invite you into the life of authors, pastors, speakers, and artists. And uh, I also call this guy friend because we've hung out at the lake. We've done jet skis. We've told stories of our past that I don't think you could share any other time unless you call each other friend. Uh, so, so excited uh, this week with a new album. Ryan Stevenson joins Unlimited. How are you, my friend? I'm good, sir. So, so cool to see you guys and uh, to thanks for spending a few minutes with me. 
Absolutely. So tell us how your summer's going, because you're I know you're on the road. You've got the new album that released as well. And I will say, and this is not coming from someone who has worked in Christian radio, but as a musician, your albums are about as transparent of anything I believe is out there right now. And, you know, I gushed over you with the last album for all the same reasons. And I just when I don't think you can get any more transparent, it's like you do. And and so I applaud that. So tell us where you were, heart, head and soul going into the new album, Abel. Oh, brother. Well, thank you so much for saying that anyways. Um, and that that means a lot to me more than, you know, for this, you know, this summer has been uh incredibly busy uh we we're we've been gone for weeks and weeks already that it's it's been incredibly encouraging and you know just i feel like dropping a new record early this year and this new project called able you know for me it, it was it was quite uh an excruciating process to get this one done because this is the first time i think in my in my career if you want to call it a career, but just in my journey as a songwriter and a musician and a minister that I really just, I didn't settle. I just kept digging deeper and deeper and deeper and wanted to be as vulnerably and as authentically as I possibly could just uh, in, in these songs. And so um, for me personally, I'm, I'm super proud of of how this record turned out and the people that I got to work with on it and uh you know the feedback that that I get consistently is just just like wow um those these songs are just so so provoking so compelling so so honest and that's just I mean what you see is what you get yeah that's just who I am I feel like that's who I've always been and I just think there's power there's healing there's freedom. Uh, there's just not, and not, there's, there's power and there's healing and there's freedom in our vulnerability and in our testimony and not just for us, but for the people around us, for the people who hear it, for the, it, there's just something that takes place naturally, I believe that transforms the culture and the environment around us in the spirit when we are able and have the courage to be vulnerable and share those things. I think it's it's just more powerful than we know. From Eye of the Storm on, audiences have so embraced you. You've written about your mom. You've written a song about your dad. The things that you've gone through are so essential. Does pain for you, do you deal with pain in part with music? I'm a real emotional person anyways. <laughs> and so, uh, and I'm a real nostalgic person. So I, I think about, experiences of the past and i and you know as a songwriter i try to take the experiences that i've had and the emotions that i've felt the pain that i've felt the questions that i've had the uncertainty the unknown and i really try to channel that into a message that that will that will hopefully essentially speak life no pun intended speak life and hope to other people because I one thing I feel like I do have a pretty good grasp on I feel like it's just it's I kind of had this epiphany a few years back when I was writing for a, a project and I, I felt like the Lord spoke so clear about that very thing that you just asked 
And it was just this simple. It was, we're all just people. And if you can, if you can talk to the secret man, the secret woman, that's actually the one buried behind the facade that we keep up. If you can talk to that one and pry in there and speak to that inner person, sneak past those boundaries, then, then those are the, that's the magic. Those are the times that just the, the powerful messages and the, and the, the healing begins. Now I know that uh, with social media, a lot of artists embrace it. Sometimes they feel like it's a, you know, necessary <laughs> evil. I mean, what, what, what's your take on it? I, I see you do some fun things and obviously it goes beyond the music because you really are being transparent with social media, whether it's TikTok or otherwise, what, what, what's your, your stance on it, especially as a dad? Yeah, man, that is a, an amazing question and one that I'm navigating through regularly. But if I don't know how honest you want me to be about that, but <laughs> if I could just be honest, uh, I actually really hate it. And um, it's, it's just not my thing. I've just never felt, I've just never felt attached to, or I've never felt right. I've never discerned this. Uh, I've just never had a good feeling or vibe or discernment about living, living this thing and, and promoting this version of myself on social media. I would rather just be present with people in the moment. And if things happen, uh, let's say, you know, I just want things. If, if things are going to blow up on social media for me, like virally, or I'm going to get exposure through social media, I would rather it be something that I didn't push into or I didn't, I didn't have to do. I, I just have, I've always had a hard time for it because I'm by nature, I'm just not, I'm not a self promoter. I, I don't, I don't like, I don't want to make myself seem bigger and grander than I am. I'd rather just be me and a, a normal guy, a normal dad. Um, but I feel like in this last season too, just, it's been kind of hard because there's just so many things and shifts in the culture now and in society that I don't, I don't even want my family on there anymore. My wife, praise God for her. She's actually the rock behind it all. And she, you think I hate social media. I mean, she, she hates it more than I do. <laughs> so I'm always trying to find that weird balance because it's like, well, is, is this necessary? Well, I guess it is because a lot of people are paying attention to me on there. And I feel like I have a, a little bit of a platform and a voice and I want to use it yeah. for something that's really positive and, and uplifting to people who actually pay attention to me on there. Ryan, have you ever been approached by anybody who wants to do a movie about your life? Because really going from a paramedic, bringing a woman back <laughs> from the dead, you know, having someone help you to being discovered by Toby Mac to performing with Toby Mac. I mean, it's kind of the greatest wild success story with so many twists and turns. Yeah. What do you think? That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? It's funny because I actually have had a couple of people uh, in, in that kind of industry approach me about that. Um, and, and my, my team and I actually wrote, uh, we wrote a screenplay of my book. I wrote an autobiography a few years back called Eye of the Storm. And it's just an autobiography. It's just my journey, really detailed. 
And I actually wrote a screenplay so that if someday anybody ever wanted, you know, a, kind of a, a framework for a movie or something like that, then then we would have that. Um, but it's interesting. I Yes, I have been approached, but I feel like there's kind of been a hang up because the person who who was really foundational and fundamental in helping me get my record deal and and providing me some finances was actually the lady who got struck by lightning and um she i every movie producer that i've met with asks if she got saved if she is a believer if she's a follower of christ now and my i just have to be super honest and i said well you know i I don't know. And I, I don't believe she is. I don't think we share the same faith even now. Um, and so I think there was this con this expectation of this aha kind of cherry on top moment that Orion saves a lady and she helps his career and then she gets saved. And it's this beautiful bow tie moment. And that's just, that just is not the case for my story. Yeah. Um, but, but in that, you know, and I don't know if you wanted to hear that anyways, or you can edit that out if you want to. But yes, I have been approached. Um, it's it's stuff that we talk about. But I, the nuts and bolts of that is, is with my story and my journey, it's been incredibly reaffirming that God doesn't need me to do a darn thing. That God doesn't, he will blow our paradigms right out of the water and he'll use anybody in anything uh, even if even if our values and our faith and our politics don't line up and we're not 100% on the same page, he weaves our stories right together anyways and makes, a, makes an, a beautiful picture. Yeah. And so that's that encourages me. So let's talk about the kids, because I know not only summer, there's always fun and activities <laughs> going on, but I also feel like not just through your music, but even whether it's social media or even from the stage, your position as a father, I feel like really sets the tone for where Christian men should be. Do you feel that challenge when you're, when you're in those moments of writing or performing or, or what do you see or feel in, in your own walk as a father and how it can challenge men as they're also trying to step up their game? And I, if I could speak to anybody this day and age, it would be to the dads. It would be to the fathers uh, because I feel like, in my opinion, every problem that we are dealing with in the culture right now is a direct result of an absent father. Mm -hmm. And there's so much that foundationally takes place in the heart of a child through a loving dad. Yeah. And, man, I've just, my kids, I, I feel like a couple years back, I just, it became very apparent and very clear to me that. I want to, everything that I do, I just want it. I just have this thought about legacy and it can't just be about me. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I don't want it to be about me. I want, I want to be able to pave the way so that my sons and my daughter can come behind me and do the same for their kids. And I feel like we do a, a great deal of disservice to the next generation when I'm shining the spotlight on me and thinking about, my needs and my my value to the culture rather than generational legacy um 
And I think that's something that I would just, you know, even from stage, I talk about my kids, I talk about my family. Uh, there's to me, there's just nothing more important than the intimacy of of the home and the family unit. And once that's broken down, it's really hard to restore. It's really hard to restore that because it fragments into so many other pieces of our lives when that piece is broken. And I feel like if if you get the dad, you get the whole family. And so I I love being able to minister to, to fathers. Brian Stevenson's been our guest. The new album, Able, streaming now and available. And of course, he's on tour. So find out when he is coming near you and go see him. Ryan, thanks so much for your time, brother. You got it, man. What a, a pleasure. Now, I have to admit, Ace, that I did not know this was a thing. For Gen Z and millennials, they have it. It's, I'm sorry, it's called menu anxiety. I'm not Gen Z, but I get that. I totally, yes. If you have too many items or if the menu is just cluttered, yeah, I'd like, I less is more. I'm one of those, like, if I know where we're going to go, I've either been enough that I have my favorite go to and I just order that every time. Or if I'm trying to try something new, I still have like a taste, like if it's a surf and turf or if it's, you know, just seafood or whatever. I already know my, what my palate wants. So I'm just, I will just ask the way I was like, where's your this? And they'll go, oh, right here. We have this and this. So I'll go, okay, give me that. Because I, I, it's too much. It's, and then, and then places you like to go, they change the menu and the thing that you fell in love with that you went in there for, they take it off and they're like, oh, well, we could still make it for you. It's just not on our menu. And you're like, ah, <laughs> Just punch me in the face. I just so came how to eat. people dealing with this? Well, what they're doing is they go online beforehand and carefully peruse the menu and then come up with a couple of things they like. And research shows if restaurants provide vegan options, younger mm-hmm. people are more likely to order from a vegan menu. I've just done a few recipes vegan and it's delicious and you feel great about yourself after you eat it. But sure. number one, people want great taste. But it causes people anxiety, what to eat, where to eat. People get into arguments about where to eat. I'm just easy going. I'm just like, I'm good. This, this, yeah. or this is fine. I don't want to get wound up about it. Yeah, it's, I mean, and, and I'm with you, though. Like, I, I want wherever I go, even if I don't get to pick the restaurant, like if the kids are like, well, we want, you know, and then insert restaurant here. It may not be my favorite, but there's going to be something on there that I can make work that tastes good. Because, again, I'm at that age where I'm like, every calorie counts, and I want it to taste amazing. And so fill me up so that I'm not still wanting something two hours later. And one last thing before we go, because I just think it's funny. There is an image on Mars, the rover caught it, of a mysterious donut. And the pic- I wish you could see the picture of it. It's hilarious. It's a huge donut on Mars. I'm like, why, God? Why do we have a donut on Mars? And they don't know why. And they don't know what it's made of yet. But it's there. It's such a perfect donut. It's hilarious. It's like somebody needs to adopt this thing and market this donut on Mars. Well, Krispy Kreme just announced that they're doing a big celebration of M&Ms. And, like, you get the ones that normally would have, like, jelly in it. It, Like, you bite into it, and M&Ms come flying out of the donut. 
So uh, to me, that's a bit much because I'm like, I don't need candy in my donut. You're a Krispy Kreme. You don't have to add the extras. Yeah. Just be a donut. But I love M&M's. That would be lethal. Would you eat that? Is that something? Oh, in a heartbeat. Bring yeah. it. Yeah. All right. All right. a fried Oreo and oh, No, I'm there with sweet. the fried Oreo. I am, I am a sweet tooth. Yeah, that's that's the thing is my meal has and and this was something that came to my brain the other day. We went to pick up my son from an ice cream outing he had with friends and it was before dinner. So we all had ice cream before dinner, which as a kid, you were told you couldn't. Right. It'll ruin your appetite. I ate the ice cream. It was fantastic. I'm like, I'm ready for dinner now. Like (laughs) as a kid, you're like, when I'm an adult, I'm going to eat dessert first. And then I realize I never do it. So I highly recommend make that your goal for the week. And spend some time with God. We will see you back next Friday. Roxanne, I love you. Love you so much. You've been listening to Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. To make sure you don't miss future shows, you can subscribe anywhere you like to podcast and catch up on anything you've missed. Find out more at RoxanneandAce.com. Roxanne and Ace Unlimited is a production of Spacebird Media.